You have reached a phone call from Paul. A Literary Hub podcast. To hear more, visit lithub.com. Part 2 of Paul Holden Graber's Conversation with Jumper Lahiri. I just remember I, I have a friend in, in Bologna, and um, I, when I visited him, we, we, we went out shopping. Um, and Bologna has, as you know, fantastic food. And so we went to get prosciuttos, and, and the, 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 the people in the stores, would, you would order this prosciutto, and then they would say, e poi, e poi, e poi, you know, and then, and then, and what else, and what else, and what else, and you would come back with, you know, every day you would come back with what seemed like a feast. Right, and then you would eat it all. And you would eat it all, and you would go back the next day and hear again, e poi, e poi, e poi. But you know what I also really hear in what you're saying about this... Um, necessary restriction of the amount of books one has, partly, I think, because the the willful change uh, for yourself of language, going from English to writing into Italian and speaking Italian whenever you, whenever you can, is that there is um, a sense, maybe, of, of liberation that comes from having few books. And I'm reminded of one story in particular, Junta, which came to my mind very much as I was thinking about your your switch from from I'm not even sure it's a mother tongue, but from the principal tongue that was given to you to an elected one where you feel um at home is Eric Auerbach in Mimesis, probably one of the greatest single books of literary criticism ever written, was written when Auerbach fleed Nazism and ended up being, in 1937, I believe, in Istanbul. And he wrote Mimesis, and he says in the epilogue, I don't exactly remember the words, but he says, this book would never have been written had I had access to primary sources. Um, it is written, you know, I'm writing from Homer to Virginia Woolf, from Beowulf to Virginia Woolf, from the Iliad to the Idiot. God knows he covers a lot of ground in that book. And the reason he was able to write it that way, the reason he was able to feel that he could quote freely Stendhal and Flaubert and, and Joyce was because he, he didn't have the impediment, as it were, which is another word for possession in Latin. He didn't have the impediment of a huge library that might, in effect, weigh him down. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I, um, I mean, I didn't know that about uh, about the book. Um, you know, it's it's very interesting. I mean, everything you say is, you know, these are the 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 the, the key words at this point, um, sort of circulating in my brain. You know, possession, lack of possession impediment um i didn't i didn't i didn't know but being you know possession and also being possessed by the possessions yes well but and the weight and, and, and i mean really what that means i mean um you know having power having authority uh as a writer what does that mean i mean i asked this question in my book can one yes. be it can one call oneself an author without feeling authoritative and can one feel authoritative without possessing 
something possessing a language in my case, um, which I don't, you know, I don't possess Italian. And that's the whole game of it. That's the beauty of it and the fascination of it and the frustration of it all mixed up, you know. Um, I think um, I had mentioned to you earlier in one of our conversations that, um, you know, one of the, the writers I did discover in Rome, I read in Italian, not an Italian writer, but a, a writer who wrote himself in a foreign language, in, in this case French, um, is um, the philosopher Emile Choran, who writes at length about, uh, I mean, in a very succinct way, uh, about um, possession and, 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 the, and, and that we need to get away from this idea and that, you know, um, liberty uh, comes from renunciation and, and that we must renounce um, on a very deep level, uh, you know, to, to feel that. And I, I, and I feel that this journey, this Italian journey that I've made um, as a person, as a writer, is, is really about finding freedom um, in the way that so many writers have, have found freedom by stepping away from um, the place, the, the, the people, the language, uh, the culture that they knew uh, in search of something, um, you know, different of their own making um, without the, the weight, but with, I mean, with, and yet, you, you carry sort of the best of it with you, you know, the way Auerbach must have did, obviously, carry all of that knowledge with him. Yes, yes, he was, uh, yes, he was a, no? he was a receptor in some, in some way, um, and... The, the essence of it. That's right, the transmitter, and, and you know, it's an incredible passage. Um, I don't know if you have that book, but Mimesis has an epilogue, and it's in that epilogue that he, you know, after having written about really the greatest books of the Western canon, let's say. Um, he speaks about the way in which he could write it, freed from um, all the the work that naturally he would have done as a philologist. But had he done that work, he wouldn't have been able to write um, this extraordinary... Um, overview of the history of Western literature um, for a general informed public. And that's why it is a transformative work and, a, and an enduring work, you know, because it isn't, it isn't rooted in that sense. Um, right. And yet when something is unrooted in that way, unrooted to perhaps the sources, the library, the endless references that one might otherwise make, it, it has a kind of, um, you know, it, it it, 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 it's it's buoyant and yet it's even more rooted in some sense because it's it has a kind of rooting in the I don't know in the collective. Um, uh, at least this is what I would like to think. I mean, so many things come to my mind. You know, when when you use the word rooted, I'm I'm thinking about the the first way in which you were talking about your Italian Roman friends now who have lived in the same place or near the same place for so long. And and you now uh, have, in some sense, um, uprooted yourself to rejoin them whenever you possibly can, and perhaps yearn for that that form of rootedness. 
and by also espousing a new language, you're you're going back to it seems to me a kind of immersive kind of reading that one has when one is a a child. Well, I I, I certainly think I'm replaying something um, in my own family's history, right? I mean, I I'm the child of of, of parents, especially of a mother who felt uh, and continues to feel acute nostalgia, right? <laughs> place yeah. for her roots, for her home, for her tribe, for her people, for her, you know, for the for the trees she would see and the birds she would hear and that everything, everything about that life um, was missing here. And, um, and I recently wrote um, a short piece about this um, notion of, of, of nostalgia. Um, and what I realized in, 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 in writing the piece was that, you know, throughout my childhood, my mother's nostalgia was a, was a rival. You know, it was a shadow over my life because I couldn't participate in it because that, that, that world had nothing to do with me. And, so um, fascinating. And it yeah. caused a lot of anxiety in me in terms of who I was, in terms of, you know, why, how, why could I not be bound up with what she wanted so desperately? Um, why did I rather represent the other world, the world of, of exile and of coldness and of nobody ever coming over without an invitation and all of the millions of things about the United States that, that caused her um, to suffer? And, and yet, what have I done in, my, in the middle of my life? I have recreated this state so that I, you know, I moved myself and my family to Rome. I had this incredible, uh, incredibly powerful, meaningful experience on every level. I don't really want to come back to the United States. I come back anyway. Um, in spite of my unwillingness, I do come back. I, 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 I have this horrible nostalgia for three months, suffering deeply, and yet, and yet, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of this feeling because I've cultivated it. I've created it. Um, and it is, in some sense, a victory for me to even feel, to have this feeling because I think the anxiety that I felt observing my mother's nostalgia as a child was realizing I have no such connection to any place in the world. And that was very scary to me. Uh, that 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 instilled me with a, with a sort of fear of what does that mean about me? Where 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 is it um, that that I can feel that feeling? You know, where, I mean, I could because I would see what would happen to my mother when she got off the airplane in Calcutta. I would I would see the sort of almost instant transformation in her in her face and her body, the way her voice was. Everything was suddenly dramatically different and um and i saw different people i saw a different set of parents in calcutta and they were not the parents who raised me in america they were completely different people they were laughing they were joking they were they had cousins and brothers and sisters and and they were completely relaxed and everything was everything was different and i and and i would have been different if i had been raised by those people you know, um, 
in any case. Um, in, in any case, uh, that you are creating a different, a different Jhumpa Lahiri by going um, to Italy and and in a in a way anticipating uh, an, a nostalgia that you carry back to the United States, which is a nostalgia not um, such as your mother's for her childhood but a nostalgia of recognition of a land that that has come to you much later in life and that has everything to do with a a sense of 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 home that you have elected yes and it's about it's about choice right it's about if the freedom to exercise that choice and 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 in that sense i think um the project is is very american in a way <sighs> Because this is the the country where one can invent and reinvent endlessly, you know. Um, I mean, it happens in other places too. And I, you know, I I think a lot now about a series of European writers who um, shifted languages, shifted place, and therefore language due to uh, various circumstances. Um, who do you mean in particular? Well, someone like Charan or, you know, the, the Hungarian writer Agoda Kristof, um, whom I discovered there, um, who wrote also in, in French, moved to Switzerland. Um, and, you know, so these, these deep shifts do happen, but, but often not, um, you know, not as an act of free will, you know, often as a, as a matter of circumstance. And that's, that's different. Um, but in general, I think this idea, the myth, the American myth of, you know, whether it's the Great Gatsby or, you know, Holly Golightly or, or, or whomever, you know, uh, just changing names, changing who you are, changing your identity, um, is, is very American and it, you know, and it, it, I think, um, it's, it's part of the culture, um. But I, of course, I'm, I'm now trying to move into a, a completely new dimension of, of renouncing identity altogether. You know, I think that is, for me, the goal as an artist, you know, to, to, to move away from that um, and, and to, to work, because I think that's, that's, um, that's very important. Uh, it's, again, um, a, a quest for a certain kind of freedom. Because I think identity is its own cage, trap. It's a trap, you know. And, and I think especially when you become, if if your if your writing is associated with your identity or your art, that becomes a trap too, you know. You're supposed to be writing this and that because that's who you are, or where you come, where you come from. Um, you know, I I can't not ask you a little bit about Cioran, who is somebody. I deeply uh, admire and, and was really, I mean, Jumpa, when, when you said this to me, he was so important to me in my late teens, early 20s. Précis de décomposition, I think it's called um, uh, A Short History of Decay. Um, and I, I can't remember all of his other books. I think he wrote a book on, on the heights of despair and a number, a, a number of extraordinary essays. How, how did you come upon him and, and what did you find so remarkable with him? I know that in America he became 
somewhat known, I mean, not very well known, but somewhat known because Susan Sontag wrote about him. Well, I was introduced to him by a, um, by a translator friend of mine in Rome um, who translates uh, from English into Italian. And she said, um, you must read him. And so I, I bought um, a number of books. I think the one, I mean, this goes actually kind of back to your question about libraries. So, when, you know, when I came back from Rome to Brooklyn, I, bought, I brought with me, I think, four or five books that I needed with me for comfort, you know, just to have on my desk. Yeah. So one of them is this book called um, the... I don't know how it would be in English, but the literal Italian translation is the inconvenience of... Of, the, of being born. De l'inconvenient d'être né. That's the other one I loved. Of the inconvenience of being born. So that book, you know, to me is, at this point, a fundamental text. And I, in fact, I think I may have to pack it in my suitcase just for the month in Rome because, yeah. you know, I've, I've underlined and asterisked just about everything in the book. Um, everything spoke to me, everything he was saying from from the very beginning about 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 flight, about identity, about um, creation, about what creativity is. Um, you know, in and then said in in with absolute lucidity and 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 truth, you know, I mean, in a, in a very uh, definitive way, I think, just explained certain things to me. Um, you know, I'm just looking at the book now in my hand, and, um, and, and, and everything that he's talking about this in, in this book, I think, was, was, it was whatever mysterious force drove me away and took me to Rome, um, is explained here. Is there a passage you love? Um, let me see, let me see if there's a passage I can, um, oh, this is beautiful. Tell me. Well, this is in Italian. Ciò che mi attira è altrove, e questo altrove non so cosa sia. What attracts me is elsewhere, and this elsewhere, I don't know where it is. Oh, gosh. I mean, doesn't this, in, 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 in a nutshell, if one wants to use that way, that, that seems to be... What it says everything. Yeah, and it's what we've been talking around and around and around. It's a, it's it's your 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 form, as it were, of. Uh, I mean, you found a um, somebody to accompany you in Cioran, accompany you in your form of nostalgia. Yes, yes. I mean, just the 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 the, the moving away and setting oneself apart from. From all that weight, from all of that baggage, um, and to see in a different way, you know, here's another little guardare senza comprendere. Questo è il paradiso. L'inferno sarebbe dunque il, luo il luogo in cui si comprende, in cui si comprende troppo. It's, it's the weight of all of that information that we have and that weighs us down, you know, but to see things without understanding, you know. That is um, that is the goal, I think. Without without saying, I know this, and here let me show you how much I know it. You know? 
but just to have the confidence to know something, to think about something without without fully understanding it, and I think, you know, understanding in terms of possessing it. And right. I think this, this goes exactly to the root of my relationship to Italian. But you know, the, the word for knowledge in, in French that I've always loved is connaissance, which means a, a burst together, mm. and not, not a form of holding on and yes. possessing, but being, being born to something new. Um, and and discovering it as it, as it were, and I was particularly struck a few moments ago when you said, in in the middle of my journey or in the middle of my life, and really the middle of your life, uh, to speak now of Italian roots as it were, maybe roots that you've created for yourself is Vita Nuova. You know, you're the middle of your life. You're you're quoting the first pages of of Dante's New Life. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Finding finding something new, new new a new way of being in the world, Jumpa. Before before saying goodbye to you, there's a passage I want to read to you that comes to my mind, and just have you hear this and maybe maybe react to it. It's a passage um, of Rainer Maria Rilke, where he says, "Now loss, however cruel, is powerless against possession." which it completes or even affirms. Loss is in fact nothing else than a second acquisition, but now completely interiorized and just as intense. Well, that's, that's quite remarkable. Um, um, I mean, I, th I, I think back to this idea of, of nostalgia, you know, And and um, what what a complex thing it it is, um, you know, because it's it's not just the pain of of wanting to return, not being able to return, but of returning, right? Um, it's both because once you leave, you can never go back, and that is the that is the the hard part, um, but also the incredible part, because once you realize, once you realize you can't go back, once you realize that you, you, you make a cut, and, and maybe it heals over, but the cut is there, the cut was made, you know, and you have to accept that, um, and, and I think then it becomes something, right, to your, to your advantage, to your gain. Uh, and perhaps there's something of that in, in that passage. There. Yes, and it grows it grows inside of you, and you yes. much like what you were saying about Auerbach, you carry it around. It's kind of a little. It's a it's a portable, interiorized collection. Yes, yes, it is. Jumpa, I I I wish you really a wonderful time in in Rome and with your friends. And I look forward to, to speaking to you again when you when you return. Be well there and enjoy enjoy this period of the year and um, all it has to offer. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It really was. It really was. Take care and all the best to you and your family. Bye bye. Oh, bye bye. 
The Other People with Brad Listy podcast is a free weekly program featuring in-depth, inappropriate interviews with today's leading authors. You can hear me in conversation with everybody from George Saunders to Cheryl Strayed to Hilton Owls, Susan Orlean, Roxanne Gay, Jonathan Franzen, Maggie Nelson, Brett Easton Ellis, Otessa Moshfeg, and many more. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and the entire archive is available for free. That's hundreds of conversations with great writers, uncensored. Go get it. Visit otherppl.com and follow the show on Twitter at otherppl. (laughs) 